We are back. New Jersey State climatologist, Dr. Dave Robinson, myself, and my cat Rex here in the background. We have your July recap, your July weather roundup on the Something in the Air podcast. We talk about the wildfire smoke. We talk about temperatures. We talk about just how warm it was in July. It might surprise you how warm we actually were. Talk about drought, getting out of drought, hurricane season, and both of our trips to Italy as well. So without further ado, here we go. The Something in the Air podcast with New Jersey State climatologist Dr. Dave Robinson recapping the month of July. Weather dad, Dr. Dave Robinson, New Jersey State climatologist. Man, I I've I've missed you. I, I don't know if you missed me, here, but buddy. I missed you. Same here. No, I'm lying. I'll say I missed you. Okay, all right. That that's fine. <laughs> this is our, you know, I said this on social media a couple of weeks ago. I said we never missed a podcast month in five years of doing this until may when i wasn't around and then you weren't around in june at the end of june although i had my other weather parent friend of ours jim everwine hop on in but now it is back to the originals here as we get into august so uh if you want to uh tell us uh how summer's been going we know uh you were uh traveling across europe and now i think you're settled down in new jersey for uh for a little bit now right yeah, we can blame it on Italy because you were in yeah. Italy at the end That's of true. The beginning of June. I was in Italy at the beginning of July. Now, yeah, we were traveling. We're we're volcanoes. My wife and I were volcano geeks, especially her. And we were uh, chasing volcanoes first in the Azores um, on our own. Then we joined a group of earth science educators, who we both are, um, and toured from uh, Etna to. Um, to uh, Volcano, to Stromboli, to Vesuvius um, through uh, southwestern Italy. So wonderful, busy, hectic trip. But now, yeah, it's been back a couple weeks to uh, good old Jersey. That's it. Now, who has better pizza? I actually want to talk to you about this, Italy or New Jersey, because I have some thoughts on this. We had pizza twice, and that was more than enough in Italy. Now, the gnocchi and yeah. some of the other pastas, oh, <laughs> unbelievable. The pizza, Jersey's got to be. See, I, I agree with, see, I, yes, I'm glad you said that because I think, so here's my thought. In Italy, I never had a bad slice of pizza, but I, I have to say, like, New Jersey has better slices of pizza. Like, like the best Italy slice and the best New Jersey slice, New Jersey wins, but Italy's just very consistent. We'll say very consistent, but New Jersey has definitely higher highs and also lower lows. Perhaps. We found they were just trying to be too fancy, uh, Mm. and we wanted more of a straight-up... Like a bar pie. Pizza. Yeah. Nope, nope, but the pasta and and in the Azores, the fish. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Not bad. It's good to be home. Good to be home. Yeah, good to be home. Glad that we're all settling in here in Jersey. Uh, we're recording this on August 2nd. It feels like more like September 22nd outside. Um, we're in the, for- in the 40s up in northwest Jersey, a lot of 50s. Uh, 
yeah, bottle this and keep it for a couple of weeks. I wouldn't mind. I figured you'd say that. I, I do appreciate this weather. I really do. But I know that summer, I need that summer because it's going to be gone one day. You're going to be cold and you're going to wish you were hot. That's the way I feel about it. But yes, very nice here, um, you know, for early August. So let's uh, let's start off um, with one of the biggest topics from June, which was the wildfire smoke. We had some more rounds of it as we went into July. Um you know, it, we had those gray days, but at least in the southern part of the state, we didn't have any days that were really poor for air quality. Um, tell us what's going on with that. And like, are we are we done with the smoke? No, because yesterday, August 1st, if you looked at satellite imagery, South Jersey was covered with smoke at high, yes. high altitudes. Correct. Um, not so much central and North Jersey, but as you know we're we're not done yet and and the irony is when the cool refreshing air came into this region from late may into now early august it comes from canada so right. what does it do with it besides dry cool air it's been bringing smoke so when we haven't had smoky skies it's been warm humid sultry air coming up from the south so it, it's, you know, that's just the way it's been. Rinse and repeat. Yeah. Uh, but nothing like we saw on June 7th, particularly in central and northern New Jersey, which was just remarkable. It looked uh, like Mars. We didn't get to talk about it, but it looked like it looked like Mars. If you were, I think the line was about Tom's River. If you were north of Tom's River, it looked like Mars orange during the afternoon in our office in Linwood. It was very gray, but it was not that orange um out but that was an incredible incredible day i don't know it's gonna make my top 10 weather events list i don't know if, i don't know if you thought about or it yet might make yours it's a top 10 it's it, a top 10 it, it's this the smoke is definitely a top 10 because of how unusual it was um really how unhealthful uh it was and and it's a great example of how you know weather doesn't know international borders um we're all connected and what a great example of that in a horrible way but it's a great example of all that led to the fires in canada uh which happens to be associated with an early loss of snow cover which is my uh bailiwick your specialty um, so it even ties in to to my snow research what happened up in canada in may and that resulted in things drying out um the fires being ignited by thunderstorms and then off to the races. Um, yeah. This was uh, clearly uh, a, a remarkable situation. And we're not necessarily done yet. The Western U.S. forest fire season really hasn't been has been slow to start um, in Alaska, where we sometimes can get some smoky air well off to us. It's been a very slow season. Uh, picked up a little bit lately, but it's essentially at the end of the season there. So we'll have to see what comes um, in August and even into September. And let's hope beyond hope that nothing locally happens, although our pinelands are drying out as we speak. Yeah, I, I guess we'll go into that. I was going to say it for the end, but but you're giving a good segue. We'll talk good about drought. Yeah, hey, listen, we're listen, we're clicking. We're back on all cylinders here. Um, <laughs> we'll talk about drought because they get a little hairy. Um, we went into drought in parts of South Jersey uh, back in July. If you remember, we had some, we'll say, 
is it fair to say significant drought conditions in the fall or late summer, early fall? We got to, I believe, uh, D3 in some parts of Cape May County. Is that correct? At one point last fall? I don't recall that. But it definitely was two out of four. That would have been two. I don't know if we got to three. Uh, While you talk, I'll, I'll replay it back. But either way, came back into drought here. Now, we're breaking news. You told me on the Something in the Air podcast that we that you might want to share what's going to change with our drought status as we go into August 3rd. Yeah, there, there's been D, we've kept D1, which is considered moderate drought. I call that minor drought, but that's the nomenclature that's used by the National Drought Monitor. Um, in, in Cape May, up into, I guess, a little bit of southern um Atlantic County, that had shrunk from being out there in Cumberland County for a while. But what was keeping it there wasn't the short-term loss of precipitation or limited precipitation. That would keep us in D0 or abnormally dry. But it was persistent groundwater deficits. We hadn't, because you mentioned the drought last fall, we had never recharged the aquifers down there as we had elsewhere in South Jersey over the winter and April rains and so on. Um, but now it, it's interesting in the last couple of weeks, the driest parts of the state, Cape May, Cumberland, and up in Monmouth County have gotten wet, while the very wettest part of the state over the early part of of July, up in the northwest part of the state, has had a chance to dry out. Um, And meanwhile, the Pinelands is where our attention is turning now because they were the driest part of the state in July. Got it. Yeah, and I I apologize. We did not get into D3 of four. I apologize. We did have about uh, 25% of the state in D2. A lot of that was in the southern part of the state. I believe it was far up north. Um, you know, with that, but either way, it, it was definitely dry last fall. And then you said the pine barrens here. I'll just go over a couple of precipitation numbers that I have. Um, Atlantic City International Airport, 5.23 inches of rain, the average is 4.47. Uh, and then at the marina, Atlantic City Marina, 3.63, the average is a significant amount lower, it's 3.75 there, and that's just because. The sea breeze front uh, helps to dry things out, stabilize the atmosphere a little bit uh, during the summer months. Uh, but as we say all the time, and it probably going to be the next sentence out of your mouth, thunderstorms often can bring wide ranges in totals depending on where you are. Because I think we had one day over 4th of July weekend where Mullica Township picked up radar indicated 6 or 7. It was a couple inches picked up on in ground truth. But a lot of times you get a lot of rain in a small area. It, it, it's been remarkable. Actually, today I've been preparing a report for the Office of Emergency Management as they look for federal disaster relief in Warren County, where one station up in Warren County in July had 16 and a half inches of rain. And 14 of that, uh, no, 12 of that fell in a three day period with a couple of inches five days earlier. And thus you heard of landslides up there. Yeah. Uh, people displaced from their homes. It was truly a mess of a situation up there. And uh, we've been trying to but get information on that for the Office of Emergency Management's um, request to the fed- feds. Um, but meanwhile, the driest part of the state was in um, the Medford area where two and a half inches of rain fell. Most of the state had 
three or more. Um, right. And a lot had six or more. Um, but you had a range from three, two and a half inches to 16 and a half inches in, yeah. in the state. Um, but the Atlantic City area was on the drier side, northern um, Atlantic County. And I, I might as well j- jump in there. Jump into uh, numbers. Uh, the numbers have uh, Atlantic County, Estelle Manor at 6.68 inches of rain. Okay. That's southern end of the county. Yeah, sure. Summers Point, very similar to the marina, had three and a quarter. And so they're not even, far either. They're yeah. very, they're close as the crow flies. Yeah, a little drier than the marina. Um, and then you go down to Cape May, and the good news was Middle Township had 7.27 inches. Uh, much needed rainfall there. But Ocean City, up towards Atlantic City in summer. Yeah, summer's point. point. Yeah, right there in the bridge. 3.51. Right. Um, so there was a dry area in the Atlantic City metro area. Um, and then up into the Pinelands, as we see in Ocean County, where brick up in the northern part yep. of the county, 6.24 inches. And that was one of the drier areas from there up to Long Branch. They got some late month rain. But over in Berkeley Township, just west of Tom's River, out there in the Pinelands, 3.50. So, you know, you've had those three counties had stations with three and a quarter to three and a half inches of rain, which is below. We should add. Right. Average there would be four and a half right. or so right. for, for the month of July. So that was the driest area of the state. Elsewhere, you know, six inch totals, eight inch totals were pretty common. Gotcha. Let me ask you this. We we have about 30 seconds and then we'll break. Yeah, I just want to go to that Warren County number. It was Warren, right? The 16 that you said. I know it's not South Jersey, but it, do we know like where that ranks for like wettest month in any one station? Is that, are we getting close to the record at that point for a month? Uh, no, because we've had months where the state was up at 14 inches. Oh, okay. Um, All right. But it's up there. You know, and that's a great question. All I know is we looked at the three-day period where they had about 12 and a half inches of rain, and that had a return period somewhere between two and 500 years. Okay. 200 and 500 years. Yeah. So very, very unusual. It was localized. White Township, which surrounds Belvedere up there. Yeah. In the that was the west central part was the real uh, focal point of that heavy rain. So it was somewhat localized, at least the... But we had like 20 stations in New Jersey have over 10 inches of rain in July. So, you know, good. So, well, we need the rain, especially in July when the sun can pick up a lot of that moisture there. Um, right. Hopefully we'll get some more rain as we go into August as well, though. Doesn't look all that promising in the first half. But right. we're going to take a brief break. We'll be back on the other side. We got plenty to talk about temperatures, hurricane season and more. You're listening to the Something in the Air podcast. The press of Atlantic City is such a unique place for weather, and it's not just because I'm working here. Let me tell you why. We're the only place in the state with a degreed meteorologist, and that means we're writing weather stories, climate stories, environmental stories you're not going to get anywhere else in New Jersey. Plus, with a meteorologist like me, you're able to get forecast videos twice a day from our state-of-the-art IBM Max graphic system, a weather column each day, of course, these podcasts, and Plenty of social media postings I'm sure many of you had seen. So if you're interested in more weather, we have our free daily weather newsletter for you at 
pressabc.com slash newsletters. It comes out every morning in your inbox around 7 a.m. And if you want it all, you can subscribe to the Press of Atlantic City at pressabc.com slash subscribe. Welcome back, everybody, to the Something in the Air podcast. Join with me, New Jersey State climatologist Dr. Dave Robinson. The two of us are back in the saddle talking about the month of weather that was before we hop into temperatures, just also want to shout out our Across the Sky podcast. That is our national weather podcast to do with our weather team here at Lee Enterprises, parent company of the Press of Atlantic City. We do really well there. We have a lot of uh, different guests. It's it's a fast roundtable discussion. Dr. Robinson has been on the pod as well in the past as well. Um, we have a lot of good episodes as we go into fall. We usually like to keep them timely. So we'll be talking about football. We're talking about wave safety still as we wrap up summer. But... Let's get into temperatures here. July, typically our hottest month of the year. I think people, my gist is people would say it wasn't that hot of a July. And, and they're right. Uh, but at the same time, we were still above average. Uh, at least I see Atlantic City International Airport and Atlantic City Marina. We are immune to the heat, it seems now. It, I, I equate it, we've talked about this, to being in a pot of slowly boiling water that we don't recognize it right. because start with the state. Our preliminary number for the state of New Jersey is this was the 10th warmest July <laughs> in 128 years of record. And you wouldn't think it. But that's because nine of the 10 warmest Julys since 1895, nine of the 10 warmest Julys have been since 2010. So we're used to it now. Right. We're used to it. That's yeah. one reason. And then there's another reason why it might have fooled people a little oh. bit. This is something we've talked about on multiple occasions before. I something guess. generates a mean temperature that can fool people sometimes. The you overnight lows. You know what it is. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, for instance, and I pulled this um, for uh, the marina. The marina it was the third it was the 14th warmest that's out of 149 oh, years yeah. and the high was 1.2 above normal that ranked 37th warmest but the low of 72.7 the average low four and a half above normal and the sixth warmest low mm, so you got cool if you could sleep yeah <laughs> without air conditioning <laughs> But if you had air conditioning, you didn't necessarily notice because the average daytime highs were close to normal. The 30-year normal, that's 1991 to 2020. Yeah. And the lows, Atlantic, uh, the, the airport was 19th warmest high and 8th warmest low. Um, so even there, you had that disparity because it was so darn humid. You yeah. know, it didn't rain a lot. Um, in the immediate Atlantic City area, there was just a lot of humidity and the oceans. I'm giving you a segue here. Another segue. The ocean temperatures were warm that kept the moisture in the air and kept the nighttime temperatures I, high. I do want to get to the ocean test, but I, I just want to I want to stay on this temperature thing for a second because I got I got two thoughts with this. Yeah. Um, one, we actually just did a story with Climate Central about people in our area who live without air conditioning, whether it's by choice or for financial needs. And we actually spoke with one woman, Danielle, who's pregnant, eight months pregnant, has no air conditioning. They, they couldn't. She doesn't make a lot. They don't make a lot of money during the summer. They make more money when school's in session. And 
you know, she's suffering. Um, and it's, you know, we see these warming nights. They warm faster than the daytime temps. So, you know, it, the overnight heat, if you have air conditioning, you probably don't notice it because you're sleeping in air conditioning except for your higher electric bill. But, you know, if you don't have air conditioning, a lot of these nights can get tough. Anything, I mean, above 70 is, I would say, you know, you're feeling it above 75. You know, it's not a dry 75 either here. It's a humid 75. And that leads me into those dew points and the humidity. Um, at Atlantic City International Airport, I, I don't have the exact number, but we were in the top 10 for most humid uh, July's on record. And records go oh, back oh. to the 40s. Um, so it was a humid month. It might not have had the you know 100 degree heat. Uh, we really didn't have a really, I would say, any hot, hot weather until the 27th and 28th of July. But um, it was certainly humid for most of the month. Yeah, but that's the story for years now that I've been touting. It, it's not the extreme days. It's the persistence of the above normal temperatures that are so notable. Atlantic City Marina had 28 days in July where the low did not drop out of the 70s. Only three were 68 or 69 degrees for a low. Now, now inland, it, it was a little different. There were uh, still 13 lows in the 70s out yeah. at the airport. So yeah. it just doesn't want to cool off at night. Now, let's face it, that's the key at the coast during the summer, and it has been for ages. Yeah. But it's just more exa exacerbated yeah. this day. So I don't want to give the impression um, to people who might be a little suspicious of this climatologist that, oh, this is all something new. No, traditionally, the coastal areas stay warm during right. summer nights. Right. Uh, but, you know, this is above that when yeah you know the sixth warmest low temperature at the marina in 149 years of record yeah yeah absolutely and you know climate change is uh comes in all different shapes you know all different forms it's not the it it can be extremes it can be persistence like you know like we saw in july here um now we can segue into ocean temps uh here and that's also a climate change thing too because the atlantic ocean uh, near or at record levels, just as a whole. Um, I think the the sexiest thing to come out of this past month was that 101 degree temperature. Did you see that in the in the Everglades? Yeah. Oh, you're not buying. Are you not buying it? You're no, I buy it, but I've camped with Boy Scouts on an out island in the Keys in July, and the water's normally in the 90s. So we're not talking about water that's 20 degrees warmer than normal. That's true. It's just a couple degrees above, which is a big deal, yeah. a big deal in the tropics and subtropics. And tell the corals that uh, you have to realize just differences of a degree or two in the tropics are a big deal compared to up here where, you know, the difference of five to 10 degrees is a big yeah. deal. But yeah, I mean, it got a lot of it got a lot of press. Um, you know, since we met last time, to me, that's the most startling thing that's occurred uh, in my estimation is the oceans in general. Temperatures off Newfoundland are 10, 15 degrees above normal in with ocean temperatures. The whole North Atlantic is warm. Um, the Sea of Okhotsk, uh, north of Japan and off of Russia is above normal. I mean, everywhere you look, of course, the Eastern tropical Pacific is above normal because there's an El Nino event underway. Yeah. yeah. But it's not just there. It's, and the Mediterranean that we both recently Our favorite visited, place. Record high temperatures. Yeah. 
of the water, the water temperature. We're not talking air temperatures here. It's really disturbing in my estimation. And it's come on very quickly. Um, This is something we're going to have to keep an eye on. Yeah, uh, definitely. And, you know, uh, has functions with the Gulf Stream, right? I mean, we won't get into it, but, you know, Gulf Stream has, you know, people watch that a little bit too with in terms of how strong it could be pumping that warmer air, uh, warmer water and far north as it can go. Um, the tropics, and we'll get to that in a sec, plays a role, but I'll, I'll take it back closer to home here. Um, the week of July 10th, Atlantic City uh, from, yeah, week of July 10th, Atlantic City water temps were in the mid to upper 70s persistently. Now, average water temps that time of the year upper 60s typically so you're and air isn't like water you know 10 degrees above average in the water is i mean maybe you could throw out a number but it's it's significant that it's a big amount but comparing it to land it got the 78.6 degrees at 3:36 p.m on july 12th um and steve downey who's the beach patrol chief in atlantic city him and i talked and he said you know that's only happened once or twice in the past 30 years where you're that warm now Last year, too, we were in the 80s in Atlantic City in August. But, you know, and we were thinking about setting a record, and then we didn't set the record because the the station malfunctioned, but it was extremely well above average. So it has been warmer here. Now, granted, when you're close to the coast, a couple more different fluctuations. You have upwelling that can send temperatures down in a hurry. Um, You know, if you get a wind from the east, it can push a lot of that warmer water in. So it is a little more you know, weather dependent, maybe. Uh, but overall, it has been warm. Ocean waters have been warm at the Jersey Shore. And that's just part of what we're seeing across the Atlantic Ocean. Yeah, no question. And, and a little surprising in July, because generally, the warmer the air temperatures, the colder the surf temperatures, because of Ekman divergence and pushing the water off coast, allowing cold water to upwell. But this in July is really interesting. I'd like to look more into that or talk more about that at some point. We we had that warm, humid air, but it wasn't enough to from the right direction to promote upwelling. Um, and, and with that, the persistent warm ocean temperatures, uh, well, surf temperatures. Like yeah. Surf. Not yeah. 30 miles off the coast, but right in the surf. Right. And you know what it is? A lot of our uh, winds those days were from the southeast still. So you had a lot of humidity, right? So it was humid and it was a little above average, but, you know, it still pushes out warmer water in. And as you, you know, as you know, but for people who are listening, a lot of times southwesterly winds, which do bring those mid upper 90s, 100, you know, whatever, those temperatures, that upwells a lot of the water. You could have the shore, you know, you could have a water temp of 60 degrees in Atlantic City and it's 100, you know, 10 miles inland. It's those kind of uh Conditions, yep. but we had a southeasterly wind, brought okay. some warmth, but a lot of humidity, but it also pushed them that water temp. So, yeah, we'll, uh, you know, we'll monitor this as we go forward in time. And then going into hurricane season, you know, we are in hurricane season, but the peak we're getting, you know, we're ramping up. August is that big ramp up into hurricane season. I was saying this before we talked, it almost feels like the unstoppable force versus the immovable object in ways because you have El Nino, which is usually detrimental to hurricane development. I would say a good thing. Uh, but you also have these record warm, you know, or near record warm ocean temps, which you get a storm, you know, it can strengthen it, you know, quite rapidly. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts as we go into August here and into uh, part of the core of hurricane season. Yeah, it's a real conundrum. Um, and we don't know which one's going to win out. I, I, 
my thinking broadly is that the storms, the powerhouse storms that form off the uh, African coast and come across the Atlantic at the, at the peak of the season, um, they may be somewhat weakened due to the shearing winds that are coming off the Pacific that kind of don't allow the storms to percolate. But the ones that concern me the most are the ones that develop closer to home in the Caribbean, in the Gulf, you know, further west in the Atlantic. And that's may they may avoid the shearing, but also face the very warm ocean temperatures. And they could develop quickly and be a real problem. And then really a third part of it is up the coast here, we don't spawn storms in our neighborhood here, but the warmer ocean temperatures could help the storm's strength persist further up the coast as it did with Sandy in in late October. And that worries me for here, that a storm coming out of the south, even a run-of-the-mill storm could stay stronger further north, and that north being the Jersey coast. So, you know, no super red flags or whatever, um, but a, a real interesting situation to keep an eye on, and I'm sure we'll be talking about it um as we get into early september yeah yeah all right well on that note we will wrap it up we'll be back with you in early september uh before we go though tell us uh anything new with the uh what's going on with the climate office um any new weather stations kind of maintaining as we go into fall we've we've added a station um in collaboration with the forest service at fort dix uh, up in the northern Pinelands, and we've got a few, few we're working on. So d- can't say right now where they're going to be, and uh, we're we're trying to get some agreements going on that. Um, NJweather.org to look at those weather stations. NJclimate.org to look at the broader picture. I've already got a draft of the July synopsis up. It will be published in the next couple of days. So keep an eye out for that. Awesome. Sounds good. Well, like I said at the top, I did miss you. I now feel fulfilled. I have my Dr. Robinson fill for the month now. And uh, we'll look forward to talking as we get into September and the start of meteorological or climatological. Great. All right. Didn't miss the feet. Have yeah. a good look. Talk to you soon, everybody. Take care.